Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, 785-833. Welcome to episode 350. It's a good one. I want to talk less here and just get to it because I didn't know what to expect with Gavin. I'd met him before. He had played with the Raging Idiots once at our Ryman show a few years ago. He was so good. I just remember him singing, and I'd have heard him sing before, but I was right beside him, and I was like, holy crap. Like, he's just different good. So what I want to do is play this, and we went for over an hour, and just the guy put his heart on a sleeve, so, you know, I don't want to really cloud it up. But what we're going to do is we're going to play the full interview, and then we're going to play... Because we're going to insert some stuff from the show at the end of this, right, Mike? Correct. What are we doing at the end of this? Him talking about I don't want to be... Got and it. playing it. So what happened in this interview is we start talking about his family, which he's got a really great story. He grew up in a town with a bunch of prisons. His dad was a prison guard. He'll tell you all about it. And we started talking about his life so much that I did, I never wanted to pivot it and go to, like, I don't want to be or the hits because what we were doing was so cool. You'll see why. But then I took a clip from the radio show that's coming up next week, and he tells that story as well. So we kind of paired that on the back for everybody that wants to hear that. Correct. It's a good one, though. I remember him leaving. And I was like, dang, that's for real. Yeah, it's very real. It's a good one, yeah. Uh, so, Gavin DeGraw's new record, Face the River, came out May 20th. It is very good. It is inspired by his late parents, Wayne and Lynn. He will tell you all about that. He teamed up with Facebook to film a six-part docuseries. It's out now about the album. You can check that out. And here is Gavin DeGraw, episode 350. Enjoy. So, you own a bar... It, uh, I know in town, but is it on Broadway? Broadway. Do you yeah. go? Do you go? Do you work it? And I ask because uh, I have I have a few gyms here. Yeah. But I am a part owner. Have, have of owner, the gyms. Of the gyms. I have three gyms here. Cool. I don't ever go in. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I go in to work out, but I don't. That's not my specialty. Yeah, yeah. You know, I tell work jokes gym, and yeah. I do radio and TV shows. So, right. Because I, I would. I don't know what I'm doing. But do you? What do you right. do there? Um, <laughs> I'm not real. Handy in the bar business. Yeah, same. That's, that's what I wonder. When it said you owned it, I wonder, yeah. do you go in and actually like, all right, you're going to work this shift. 
Uh, hey, Clark, you're over here. God, no. Okay, good. No, I could never do that. <laughs> I, I can't do that. Just because uh, I wouldn't be able to tell someone they don't have a shift uh, unless they were, like, mean to me. You know so, what I mean? <laughs> so only as punishment, yeah. you could be a boss. You got no yeah. shift today, you know? So do you oversee or did you buy in as a partner? And I, you don't tell me all this. Yeah, no, I'll tell you. I was just wondering because I have the yeah. same kind of situation, and I wonder maybe Gavin's just way, way more into being something other than an artist. No. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I like I like to gamble, right? Um, but I don't gamble at tables. I'm like a gamble with my life guy. Right, you know, it seems a little more dangerous. At first, I was like, "Yeah, I yeah. feel you." I was like, "Oh no, I don't. I don't." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm more of a table kind yeah. of guy. No sports betting. But, okay, no, I don't. I don't know anything about that. But 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 I don't know. It's a gamble with. Uh, I don't know. There's something about like going all in on stuff and and taking taking risks with with things. Um, no, I don't know all about the bar business. I just grew up in bars, so a bar bar thing felt pretty natural how did that come to you, know? you or did you go to it like uh, did you pursue all right i'm gonna go find a bar or a club whatever no. it is you know um all right so my brother and i we got in a into a bar uh we got in the bar business in new york city and um man we generated a lot of money so you were already doing it a little bit then you've done this before yeah we had a bar for like five years got before it. we got a bar here in uh, nashville so we had a bar in the Lower East Side, like right at Houston and Allen uh, in Manhattan. And well, we did it because we wanted to have, we were just, you know, we did a lot of drinking. So we're like, we're doing, we're spending so much money drinking. We may as well buy a bar anyway, you know. And then, um, and a lot of us, our friends are musicians, because we're musicians. We grew up playing in bars, you know. I was a teenager playing bars on school nights, you know, 15 years old playing. You know, you get done with basketball practice. You're like, now I'd rather go play a bar, you know. Uh, and then, so that was just a culture for us growing up. So we got in the bar business in New York, seeing a lot of the music scene kind of disappear out of New York City. We were like, let's help keep this thing alive. You know, we know a bunch of musicians and it would be nice to provide a place. Um, and that was cool for a while, but you're just hemorrhaging dough, you know. I mean, we generated a ton of money, but we never took any money out, right? Never, ever. So one day... My brother calls me. He says, hey, I found a uh, property in Nashville, Tennessee. I said, okay, for what? He said, well, you have any interest in being in the bar business in Nashville, Tennessee? You weren't here at this time? No. You weren't here yet? No, nope, no. Nope. This was about um, 13, 14 years ago. You want to open a bar in Nashville? I said, absolutely not. No. He goes, but uh, I found a great location. I said, where is it? He said, Broadway. In Nashville. I said, on Broadway? He said, on Broadway. Still want to, don't want to do the bar? I said, nope. He said, but you haven't heard the terms. I said, what are the terms? Uh, 1,600 square foot, $2,000 a month, something like that. I said, storefront? He said, yep. I said, we're in the bar business. Wow. Right? So we signed a 25-year lease on a storefront. A 25-year lease? It's, yep. It's that? Wow. Yep. Um, just over $2,000 a month. Uh, and the market, pff, man, the town, you know, the town erupted. We we didn't see that coming. We thought maybe there'd be more coming, you know, on Lower Broadway. There maybe be some development. But to the degree it happened, as fast as it happened, no, nobody could predict that. Nobody. Less hemorrhaging on this one than the New York one? Oh, dude. This is cr- This one's 
it's a different place. Yeah. yeah this is, it, it's incredible. Is that why it's you a, moved down it's here? It's a great business. Uh, no, I mean, it was, it was a factor. Mm-hmm. No, the, the main factor was that um, I liked the price per square foot around here when I came here. And I liked the local culture here a lot. The people who'd been here a long time were really, there was a certain amount of, Southern charm, still really very Nashville Southern charm thing here that I really liked, um, and a lot of a lot of musicians and they they treated me well and they treat songwriters really well in this town. You know, they, they really believe that songwriters aren't important here, um, which I which I think is very important in the music business. They treat songwriters nicely, uh, or or you know these artists you know be out there singing the ABCs you know, and so. I, and and it was nice being around people who who were in the same craft. It keeps you motivated and sometimes competitive, some sometimes camaraderie, and, I, and all of it's good. Um, it just keeps you going. Um, uh, and we just we liked a lot of things about it. The town is cool, and um, w- but nobody saw this coming. Certainly not not me. Did you trial you know? run Nashville at all? Did you come down for a few months, or did you just go? Ah, let's go. I mean, I'd been to town you know touring you know just playing gigs and you know played a bunch of small spots um what's that place out uh you're asking the wrong guy about anywhere i've lived here nine years <laughs> if it ain't gps in ah. if it ah. I, mean, I know nothing so if you're really asking great if you're just doing the hey what's that well you're trying to figure it out i'll sit yeah, here and wait I'm for you trying, to figure I'm it out I'm all right trying. you go ahead i'll, I'll, I'll be here i'm trying man i can't remember all, but i played a bunch of little places you know just you know, as you're trying to get a career going, coming through town, and I just liked how people treated me here. I, I got I got treated nice, and and they people knew each other, and it felt like I was tapping into a town when I came here. It was Did your brother real, come with you? Uh, he had he had come with me, um, and I mean he found that location on Broadway from his lazy boy chair in New York City. You know, he was just Craigslistaholic, you know, and uh, just always looking for you know, an opportunity, a deal or whatever. So we got a hold of that place, 1,600 square foot. Now we're, we have, and that was 25 years. Now we have a 50-year lease on the whole building. We're 55,000 square foot. A day. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and we're still developing it. I mean, we're operating at 40,000 square feet right now. You ever try to buy the building? You know, it's a, it's a peculiar thing. Um, it's just we don't need to, you know? We don't need to. The math wouldn't make sense. And this has been Real Estate Talk with Gavin and Bobby. Yeah. So we'll see you next week, everybody. <laughs> I mean, if, if the terms if the terms match exactly right, it could work. But our, our lease is so favorable. I mean, 50-year lease. You, know? you ever pop in there and play? Uh, uh, once in a while, I get up with an act if they're there playing, you know, strumming. Um, we don't have a ton of acoustic music in there as much as we did. We started just like that. In fact, we did, I mean, we were doing bluegrass and... I mean, it was, oh, brother, where art thou up in there when you walked in there, you know? And uh, I, I am a man, you know, it was all, you know, like that, you know? And, uh, but we do, um, it, I don't know, it got, the uh, the crowd in there got younger and younger. And they were asking for DJs on the roof. So we're like, put a DJ on the roof, you know? I'm not going to tell them what they want. They're telling, they're telling the, the building what they want, you know? Um, I don't want to force feed anybody in anything. So... Yeah, we've got 
like all these crazy rooftops and bull riding and bowling and gaming and I mean you name it that's what we're doing you know that's cool yeah I mean, it's it's crazy man you know way more about that than I do mine I mean similarly I was at the gym all the time yeah as you can tell by looking at me you know? well yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, your oh, I, I know Arnold oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like why am I paying a membership and why and I was like I should just see what what's up and so yeah. the guy that owned it he don't I think he owned one or maybe two at the time I said hey let me get in on this. Like, you run it really well. I don't know yeah. how to run a gym, but I can help you in other ways. Yeah. And so we split it, and we bought it, and we bought another one, and so we have three. Great. And, and it's, yeah, I don't know anything. Yeah. I, I just go in now and don't pay a membership. Hey, man, you know. <laughs> I said, I mean, it's just like you go in and get free beer, and that's all I you mean, had to do ball- with it. That's, <laughs> that's a ballsy move, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're like, why don't I just pay up front for all my exercising the, right now? For the rest of my life, I want to go ahead and. That's how much is that? And my kids. <laughs> me and my kids. <laughs> right. So, I did the same thing, man. And it's funny because uh, you're never sure if it's going to work out. You hope it works out. And, of course, you do uh, what I call optimistic math on uh, if it's going to work out, you know. And uh, it, it, this, one, this one happens to be working out, you know. Broadway, Na- Broadway in Nashville sells more alcohol per square foot than anywhere in the United States. Period. Makes sense. I mean, right? I, I would think Vegas would be with it or trailing it slightly because yeah. but it's also a lot larger yeah well, so does nashville feel like home yeah. to you like now you know the the people that i know for a long time make it feel like home right but there's still never going to be the substitute for running into the people you actually yeah. grew up with you know even if your hometown isn't really there anymore and pretty much everybody left because it didn't have anything really off. There's no jobs where I grew up. You know, it's prisons. What is it? What is the town? What's it called? It's called Fallsburg, New York. And so how far outside of like the city would that be if I was driving? Outside of New York City? Yeah. It would be about 90 miles down the highway um, and some, you know, some okay roads, you know, other than that, you know. But to the George Washington Bridge from... On the highway, it would be about 90 miles. We were a sawmill town where I grew up in Mountain Pine, Arkansas, so everybody yeah. went to the sawmill. Yeah. So I'm assuming if you, it was a prison town, did you have family that worked at the prison? Yeah. Yeah, my dad uh, My dad was a guard at the, at the prison, at the Maxi Max. Um, so I'm assuming that's the Max. The yeah, that's like, that's, like the really, big one. that's like the really bad one. Jeez. Yeah, and um, so there was a annex. That's people at the end of their bid. Or, or, you know, more minimal, you know. Um, there, we had a medium security prison. And we had we had the Maxi Max. The Maxi Max um, was where, like, my dad watched Son of Sam every day. I don't know if you know who that is. Yeah. Very famous. A mm-hmm. uh, uh, lovely man. Uh, you mean, and by the way, for those listening, not the show, the actual guy that said the dog talked to him. I mean, he actually watched him in prison is what you're saying. Like, that's as correct. Yeah, the actual wow. killer, yeah. yeah. Uh, he watched uh, Willie Boskett every day. Not who, familiar with Willie. Willie Boskett was known as the genius killer. And um, there is another very famous killer he watched every day named Ronnie DeFeo. You may know him by his his other name, which is the Amityville Horror Slayer. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Did your dad have... <laughs> And it's weird to say a relationship because these guys are really heinous beings. Yeah. But did he find that as humans that he could talk with, they really weren't the feeling that we have about them of just stabbing, killing, and manipulating? You know, it's funny. I asked him about Son of Sam. I was like, man, how do you do it? How do you do it? He said, man, Son of Sam, I mean... 
I got animals in there, Gavin. <laughs> you know, he's like he he he's not nearly the scariest person I rub shoulders with. Um, but there's guys in there too that he told me when he retired. He said, "I miss a couple of my inmates. Yeah. I had I actually had pretty good friendships with some of the guys. You know, there's guys in there who, you know, are a lot like you. You're a lot like us." He said. Uh, I said, you think so, huh? He goes, yeah. You know, ever think to yourself, someone really upsets you and you think, man, I could just kill that guy. I said, I mean, I guess as a figure of speech. <laughs> he goes, yeah, but the only difference between you and them, Gavin, is that they actually do it. <laughs> he said, but, you know, you think it. Yeah, I could kill that guy. That's a, more like a figure of speech, but they do it. That's the difference. Do you worry and, living in a prison town that <laughs> if there's all these prisons that if there is an escape of any kind, yeah, that they come to your house? They, that worried me. As a kid, that worried me because once in a while you'd have a break. Um, and it was, by the way, there were other jobs there. It's just that the prison probably employed the most people, sure. you know? So you realize, oh, okay, you got, you're definitely going to have other guards' kids because my uncle was also a guard. My other uncle did prison psych and other some other kids I... I grew up with their dad was guard. And then there's other people you grew up with who their father's an inmate. You don't necessarily know who the inmate is, um, but you know because of the nature of the town that you are going to school with inmates' kids too, right? So do people – now I've had a lot of family in jail, but not like a max place. So if someone's in a max, will families move toward the prison to be close to their family member in a max security place? Yeah, they would – because there's the father is yeah is, but, but like once a week they could see him once a month so they live close to do that couldn't 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 That's, tell you the exact whole thing but then there's conjugal visits which is uh do you know about these yeah i do yeah, yeah. done a few myself yeah <laughs> <laughs> i haven't i don't know but i do know what that is <laughs> i had a, a i had a cousin a first cousin let's talk about those who uh and i come from a pretty troubled family and yeah. I, I have a first cousin that, you know, he was a pimp, and he had he'd been still a lot of trouble, and he escaped. You got a nice house, Bobby. You're kind of a pimp yourself, my friend. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. This is a different kind of pimp. Uh, he was all over national news because there was a video of him escaping prison, and he right. there, there was a small little hole where you would pass your documents into the maybe not the guard, but the person working the, mm. the gate. And he re- figured out a way to slide through it, ran. His mom, my aunt, picked him up in the parking mm-hmm. lot. They ran for they ran for weeks. Like, mm. the Today Show was searching for him. Cops wow. were calling me like, have you seen your cousin? And wow. Like, no, no, I haven't seen him. So, you know, situations like that, that's what makes me think of that. If you lived in that town, yeah. is there a lot of unpleasant business happening just because you're near it? But probably not. It, it's, maybe it's like El Paso in that, El Paso's right on the Mexican border. Sure. Lovely town. Nobody yep. F's, nobody F's with them there because they're so close. Yeah. And they cross the America. And they're like, we're, we're safe can be. We're close to it, but we're as safe as can be. Right. You right. Know? So I, I don't yeah. know. That, that, That's true. The prison culture is interesting to me. I've just had people in it, but I never was brave enough to even go up there. Yeah. Yeah, it's... um. Kept, I, kept I, think, trouble. I, I think it makes a little... Mm, it's a little fringy. I think it makes yeah. you think a little bit differently about how people interact or should interact. What about your mom? I, I saw a lot of violence, you know. 
I would, yeah, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. It, and your you know? mom, did she work in that system or was she? She was an RN uh, at a, you know, local hospital. And then she uh, ended up joining the reserves because, you know, we were just never making enough money. Um, and she ended up joining the reserves because she wanted to get her master's because she wanted to, you know, increase her pay, be a nurse practitioner. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, by the way, my dad becoming a prison guard wasn't, wasn't like, hey, I want to be a prison guard. It was, he was a, trying to be a local contractor, work on houses, mow lawns, you know, chimney sweep, build tables and all that stuff, you know. So we go out and help him here and there. And, you know, if you want to help, yeah, we'll go out and, you know, hang drywall, whatever. And um, so when he became a prison guard, that was like being a millionaire compared to how we were living. It probably benefits too, right? I mean, got benefits. Yeah. You got, yeah, you got, you got medical, dental, whatnot. And so that was a huge improvement on our lifestyle. Um, and she, my mom was dogging it too, man. I mean, she was driving an hour back and forth to work, uh, school full time, you know, putting on camouflage, climbing ropes every however many weeks for the reserves. And, you know, I was just watching their grind and thinking, man, this sucks, man. This sucks. You know, this sucks. And, you know, you go to school, and this is one of the things that really hung on me was that we had a bunch of public housing too, right down the street. And there was kids who I knew, I knew their parents didn't work and they had nicer clothes than I did, nicer sneakers than we had, you know, and I just couldn't, I just couldn't wrap my head around like, Hey, where's the reward for like, you know, for trying, you know, where's the reward for trying? You know, not to say that those kids shouldn't have nice things, but it was nicer than than my family's things, you know, and everybody was working their asses off. And I was thinking to myself, Dude, this don't seem right. You know, life ain't fair. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, 
Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about the incredible work that's being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and to ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. Families do not have to worry about a thing. Treatment is covered, travel, housing, food. And when you're a family that's going through this, like imagine you're a parent, your kid gets cancer. You need to focus on that child. You don't need to be worrying about other things. And financial stuff can get really stressful. St. Jude covers it. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment. And when you sign up for just $19 a month, you're going to get the new This Shirt Saves Lives tee. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope and text Bobby to 785-833. That's B-O-B-B-Y to 785-833. You come from a blue-collar family, but you're here as an artist. And I have found that, because, again, I grew up in a similar way of there wasn't a lot around me that told me I could do it because nobody did it. People weren't screaming, you can't do it, because right. it, it was a fairy tale. Now, I right. wonder, with New York being 90 miles away, if, again, the weird dichotomy is you're in an extremely blue-collar situation. Mm-hmm and you're doing what you just said, you're living a life, and you're like, we're hustling as hard as we can. Mm-hmm. Yet, 90 minutes, 90 miles, whatever it is up the road, mm-hmm. that, that, that's a wonderland. Like, you're actually seeing people do creative things. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's an odd place where right around your circle, really nobody's doing what maybe you wanted to do. I don't know when you want to start doing it. Yeah. But if you just go a little farther, everybody's doing it. Yeah. So when... When was it realistic that you could actually do art? Not be paid, not be rich and famous, not have mm. number one songs, but make a living, even mm. if that's paying your bills, doing art. Man. Uh, man, I'm not, I'm not sure. Did you I mean, go to New I'm York City sure. ever? Like, was that a thing? Was it close yeah. enough that you would go sometimes? We went occasionally. Yeah, went occasionally. Um. I got the New York experience, you know, get to go to town, check it out, um, tap into it, see it, see what it is. But, you know, it was also really intimidating going to New York City. You had to have gas money. You had to find parking, had to pay for parking. It was dangerous, you know. um, You know, you don't really know anybody. I had an uncle living in Hell's Kitchen in the 90s, so we'd go there visit him um which is the neighborhood i ended up moving to um because you knew it the best yeah i was familiar with a little bit i was like oh oh okay okay my brother found the apartment um in 90 uh what what happened was i I played a gig at a place called the bitter end in 1997 september 22nd 1997 played my first gig ever in new york city and then we was at the bar i'm 20 years old years old yep 
And uh, my brother goes, we got to move here. I said, yeah. He said, yeah, we got to move here. And at the time, I was working at a lumber yard um, called Wide Lumber, and which is in a, like the Monticello area, which is the next town over. <clears throat> I said, okay, yeah, cool, cool. With what money? And uh, he said, don't matter. We just got to get here. I said, okay, when? He said, uh, six months or whatever it was. I said, all right. And in uh, March, that following March, uh, we moved in Hell's Kitchen. He had lived in New York City prior, like three years earlier or something like that. For How much older like is he? a year, you? three and a half years older. Okay. Yeah. He was a GA at uh, Sony Studios uh, when, he first, uh, when he first lived there. And funny enough, he he didn't know like he he wasn't connected or anything, and <laughs> he was a GA for Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Can you not? It was like crazy, you know. He's like, I can't believe. I wish I would have had a camera back then. I didn't have the money to even go get one of those little crappy, you know, drugstore cameras. And I was thinking I I should really go get one of those, but that's like two hours salary, right? If your you know. brother is working with Michael Jackson, and now my assumption is, I don't, I don't know this for true or not, but <laughs> if you're growing up in a small town and you find music, someone has to <laughs> lead you to that music, either through records or through instruments. Somehow your parents must have had something musical about them, either just their love of listening and giving you music or playing. Is that a fair Oh, yeah, assumption? yeah, my folks were musicians. I mean, that, you know, if I was to define them, I'd say... They were musicians. Really? Right. Nice. Yeah. And my dad played for a living when he was a young man. and My mother uh, played at church, um, wrote songs. And uh, so that's really who they were. What they, they play? What was their for a job. What was their special? Were they guitar players, piano players? Guitar. Uh, they, they could both play guitar. My dad was, a, I would say, a good guitar player. My mom was a okay guitar player. My mom was a okay piano player my dad was a shit piano player and uh because he didn't play he just but he could sit down and figure it out but they sang good and my father in particular sang great like too good in fact aggravatingly good what was his specialty singing like what did he like to sing what do you remember him singing i get his natural voice was sort of an irish tenor sort of range high thin real clean pretty sound right um almost like a mccartney-esque kind of singing you know very pretty voice peter cetera-esque sort of singing high higher than mine you know i can't i can't sing like that and he would always weep when he sang and uh his eyes would run and uh i remember sitting across he's standing at the crook of the piano one day at the house Cause I had, you know, when, once I made money, I bought a nice piano, and uh, I had it up at their house. And I'm sitting there playing a song that that he liked, um, a song I had written about some some stuff. It was called uh, "She Holds a Key," and uh, he wanted to sing harmony. On it. he's looking right at me, singing the harmony, singing way above me, of course, because I can't hit those. And he's crying, just crying, not not like uh, bawling, like at a funeral kind of cry. Just his eyes are watering. Running down his face, tears weren't. I said, Dad, you, you're crying. Why are you crying? And I knew he cried when he sang. I said, but why do you cry when you sing? He said, I always cry when I sing. I said, why? 
is it is it just physical physically happening to you? He said, no. Singing makes me so emotional. I can't help it. I just, my eyes water. I can't, it's nothing I have control over. I'm just so emotional when I sing. Yeah, it was beautiful to watch. So it was so, so honest, you know, because you're looking at a guy, anyone who knew my dad, even though he liked to joke around, he's a fucking dude. And, uh, I never saw him cry. He cried when he sang. He well, didn't, I didn't see him cry at his father's funeral. Was he embarrassed that he cried when he sang? Or, cause it's no. So, it's cool. No. Maybe it was like, he felt like it was his opportunity to be emotional finally, you know. It was, it was beautiful to watch, honestly. Special. You guys yeah. sing together a lot when you were young. How did you become the well, guy that could, how did you become the, become the kid that could sing, I guess? Uh, we were encouraged to play music at the house, you know. Um, in fact, they, they didn't even mind if I woke them up in the middle of the night sitting at the piano singing, you know. Um, and uh, I think they, I think I overheard them telling the other siblings, hey, if Gavin wants to wake us up playing, singing, you know, leave him alone, you know. Because <laughs> um, it was an addiction for me, saying it was an addiction. My brother actually asked my great uncle if there was such a thing as a singing disease because I sang so much growing up. I couldn't shut the fuck up, you know what I mean? It was terrible. And uh, so... But the singing in the house, it was, there was music in the house, you know, it wasn't like we were playing records in the house all the time. That's not what it was. It was people were making music in the house, you know, dad comes home from work and he's sitting there with his guitar that he had when he was a teenager, you know, strumming and, you know, <clears throat> I come home from school, he's sitting there with his, you know, that his old Gibson listen to the Dire Straits records playing, you know, the solo on Sultan's Swing, you know along with the records, you know, and, and that's just, that was the household culture, you know, his father after the war, after world war two, you know, bought a bunch of instruments and told his brothers, I want everybody to learn how to play instruments and, you know, and so had an organ and fiddle and hit bongos and, uh, banjo guitars and, you know, just wanted everybody to, to pick and play and, and, because it was therapy, you know, it was good therapy, you know, and they had, you know, hoot nannies that I had a great uncle Earl who's a, a dairy farmer and, you know, we'd do all the family reunions out there and the, you know, the old dudes would get together and, and, and play, you know, nothing fancy, just playing songs they liked, you know, um, Marty Robbins and, and, and Hank Williams and Roger Miller and old, old country, you know, uh, King of the Road and, uh, dang me and El Paso, you know my granddad was buried to the song El Paso. In fact, out in the West Texas town of El Paso, I, I fell, fell in, in love, love with a beautiful Mexican, Mexican girl. girl. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah, actually yeah. buried to that song, uh, and he told he told me his whole life. Uh, <clears throat> I'd walk into the house sometimes, and my granddad would be sitting at his kitchen table. He had his kitchen table was center of his whole world, man. So. The kitchen was the first room you really walked into once you got in the house, and he had this he had this this uh, circular table there. It's about four and a half feet across, and his from his chair he could see the whole world, his world. Right, he's watching the front door, which was 
eight feet away. And behind him was a window where he watched his bird feeder that he put together. And off to the right, about another 30 feet away, was the TV. We had the news on all the time, all the time. And within arm's reach, he had his phone up on the wall right there and his tea kettle. That was it. That was Pop's world, you know. And I walk in there. I remember walking in. He's got a guitar in his hand. And he, I walk in, and he's playing El Paso. I walked right in the house. He said, you hear that song? I said, yeah, Pop, I know you play that song all the time. He said, yeah, it's my favorite song in the world. He said, they're going to play this song at my funeral. He always used to say it. And, of course, they did, you know. And on that day, I walk into the funeral parlor. Preacher gets up. It must have had like an 80s-style boombox. I mean, this thing was big, dude. It looked like the preacher should have been wearing high tops. Like Run DMC on the shoulder bag? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. He puts his boombox <laughs> on a bar stool in front of the coffin. He said, y'all know Russ love music. And we're like, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Russ wanted y'all to be here together to enjoy his favorite country and western song click presses that button you know that big click sound those old boomboxes made and sure enough marty robbins el paso came on it was i thought that's awesome perfect i got a great story for you too my inheritance from my granddad my papa russell was a two dollar bill two dollar bill that's what we all got two dollar bills because he always used to say he bust open his wallet he goes see that if you got one of them in your pocket you'll never be broke right so say okay so we got two dollar bills i go to el paso texas i'm on tour i uh, leave the venue playing a little dive bar of a place right kind of place that's so along the border that the fence to get into mexico is right there okay and like right around the rio grande i says uh I'm going to skip sound check. I'm going to go to the local cafe. Like, where's the place I get a cup, cup of coffee? That's whatever. I'm waking up super late. I'm a musician, right? I'm a midnight guy. I walk into this place. I order a coffee. And I go to put money in the tip jar. What's sitting on top of the tip jar? The top bill on the pile of singles is a $2 bill in the town of El Paso, Texas. I went, man, this is a God thing. I called my mother right away because she always said there's no accidents. So you're never going to believe this. I told her a story. She said, that's called the language of God, Gavin. That's your experience today. I said, I think I did. She said, oh, you did. How many times in your life have you seen a $2 bill laying on anything? Honestly, just at a random spot. That's right. I mean, I- I'm thinking. Never. I mean, I've only ever seen them when someone's like, look, I got a $2 bill. That's exactly right. And look what you brought up. I didn't even bring it up earlier. You brought up El Paso, Texas. See, there's no accidents. It's a great one. That was, wheels were spinning when you were telling it. And I was like, how many times have I ever seen a $2 bill laying around? Never. Because even me, I was trying to go, okay, maybe. And I wasn't going to say it out loud, but I was trying to like, rationalize yep. it. Go. And I was like, oh, crap, man. I've never seen a $2 bill just chilling. Never. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. 
Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about the incredible work that's being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and to ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. Families do not have to worry about a thing. Treatment is covered, travel, housing, food. And when you're a family that's going through this, like imagine you're a parent, your kid gets cancer. You need to focus on that child. You don't need to be worrying about other things and financial stuff can get really stressful. St. Jude covers it. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment. And when you sign up for just $19 a month, you're going to get the new This Shirt Saves Lives tee. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope and text Bobby to 785-833. That's B-O-B-B-Y to 785-833. So it sounds like music to your dad, to yourself. Yeah. It was just understood. The, the importance was understood. Maybe not oh, yeah. to make a full living, but to, to have exist inside of you. Uh, yeah. You start to play at bars or restaurants or church or mm. when, like, when you were just you. When you're like, all right, I'm going to go do a show. I don't mm-hmm. even get... When did that happen? Um, <clears throat> first gig I ever played, my brother got, uh, well, it wasn't a paid gig. It was my brother was going to a local bar next town over, Monticello. It's a place called the Nowhere Bar across the street from the police department. Um, 15, I want to say. And <clears throat> he had talked to the bartender and said, hey, my my brother is a musician. you know, Because my, my brother also... Joey is a musician, damn good one. And um, the guy goes, okay, yeah, and? He goes, well, <clears throat> can he come in and play here? You know, <clears throat> I heard you have an open mic. Can can he come play? Can we play? 
He was like, yeah, 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 come Tuesday, whatever it was. And so that was really the first opportunity to regularly go to a bar and play music, really play in front of people on a regular basis, other than something like a camp talent show or something like sure. that, you know, color Pe- war. Or people that didn't already have an investment yeah. in you as a as a kid, as a human, yeah, were watching you play music for the first time. Yep. So like not aunts and uncles and friends and cousins. Of, it was like people that didn't even know you were there are yep. there, and now they're hearing you play music. When yep. you play, do you find acceptance early or do you find that it's a little more difficult than you thought when it's not your warm family crew? Uh, I think, uh, well, I think because, because of the, of youth, you're given an extra five points out of 10 right there. Right. Oh man, this kid's great. No, he ain't for 15. Yeah, exactly. But he's great for 15. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So, I was lucky in that regard um, that that there was there's an open mind. You know, we're very forgiving when it comes to people being young, doing anything. It's almost like we're just happy somebody's got a work ethic. Oh, look, they're showing up to work today, yeah. you know? Cool. And uh and so <laughs> so in that in that way I think that was that was a good you know, it was it was good enough reinforcement to keep me going. And it wasn't it wasn't any kind of embarrassment, you know, because the embarrassment sometimes will get you worse than anything else. You what know? kind of a student were you at the time, though? Like books? Decent. I was a good student, you know. I cared a little too much about homework, to be honest with you. In fact, I told my father a couple of years ago, it was after my mom passed, and I, I saw how much fun uh, my dad uh, could have, you know, once he didn't have te- someone telling him, take it easy. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> And I said to my father, I said, uh, you know, Dad, had I known that you were uh, this loose, I would have had a lot more fun in high school, you know. Because, you know, you didn't really want to get in trouble because you get your ass whooped at home, you know. So <clears throat> so it was like he had to get permission to do, you know, hey, Dad, uh, you know, this happened at school. Can I disobey the rules to get my honor back? Yeah, sure. Yeah. But if you got in trouble without dad's permission, then, you know, right. like for real. Um, I thought that was all healthy, though, to be honest. Um, I never got the belt when I didn't deserve it. And uh, anyway, but he was real loose in some ways growing up, too, because he'd come out and play the bars with us, you know. Was that fun for you as a kid? Great. It was awesome. It was absolutely so amazing. So your dad would show up and play with you? Hell yeah. You didn't feel like... Oh man, my dad's really affected my style. Or hell no, that's cool. No, I thought I was lucky, man. I mean, I thought I was lucky. You know, I was getting that kind of uh, attention from my old man. You know, um, <clears throat> and also that he wasn't trying to curtail my interest in something as as unreliable as the arts. He could have said, "Nah, this is stupid, Gavin. This is not a. This is not where you should be putting your attention." I mean, especially you know? because he put his attention there and it didn't work out like he hoped. <clears throat> yeah. Because I would think your natural yeah. instinct would be, this sucked for me. I want yeah. you to know this probably will suck for you, but he didn't do that. No. Nah. You know, prior to me deciding to be a musician for a living, I wanted to go to medical school. I was like, yeah, I'll go to medical school. That's what I'll do. And then here's what happened. 15, I see Billy Joel play. Man, I'm looking around this place. I'm looking around this arena. That was our Christmas present that year. 
instead of getting a bunch of whatever, little socks and underwear and all that, they were like, Christmas present this year is going to be Billy Joel concert tickets. We'll go as a family. Cool. All right. We go. I'm looking around this arena, looking at strangers overwhelmed with joy. They look like they're being cured or whatever what was bothering them when they walked in. I know it's not a cure. But I'm saying I got to look around and say, music is medicine. This is an honorable job. This could be honorable. This could be not just a hobby. This is not just a selfish thing to do. Like This, this really helps people, man. This really speaks to people. And I thought this, this could mean something. You got to keep in mind, I grew up in the church, hardcore. We were churchaholics. So... You know, I wanted to make the blind see like Jesus. I was committed. I was going to, I was going to be an ophthalmologist. I was, you know, it was in there. But when I saw that, I thought, well, I I actually love playing music and this could help people too. You know, this is cool. You know, sorry, I spit when I talk. So, you know, uh, I was, I I just thought this is the right path. This is the path for me. Is that the bug that bit you right then? As you're talking about it, I'm watching your face kind of not just love music, but love the idea that you could do music on a bigger level, not just for yourself, but for others. I mean, I yep. feel like that's the bu- this is the bug moment for you. Yeah. And the bug bit, yeah. That was the moment. Yep. And then there was another reassurance moment <clears throat> um, when I was about 19. And uh, I had already uh, dropped out of college, I don't know, first or second time. And... uh we went to uh, pay the local garage. A guy named Frank Stratton owned a garage down right downtown. We live seven tenths of a mile from town, and there was uh, this fella, great guy, Frank Stratton. What a guy! Just a good, good man, hardworking, good damn man. And uh, we showed up there to pay him. My dad owed him money. You know, you owe people money when you don't have money. But Frank had worked on the car, and I guess Dad got paid. So we want to pay him off. And oftentimes, you know, I remember being with my father many times where he opened his wallet. So he'd say, how much? And he'd turn his wallet to me and he'd, he'd turn the wallet so that they couldn't see what he's looking at. But I could see in his wallet, he didn't have any money. And he'd say, oh, I just don't have that much on me right now. And i pay you back. Or can I pay whatever? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, no problem, you know. Because they're neighbors, you know. It's a small town. So anyway, we pay Frank Stratton, hop in the car. As soon as we start the car, about to, we're just pulling out. And we're about to go over this this really short bridge. We had a local lake that was at the edge of town, and the bridge was about five foot over the water. And I said, Dad, if you could change anything, what would it be about your life? Without hesitation, he said, I never would have stopped playing music. Now I'm looking at my father, who's about the age I am right now, and I asked him that question. And I thought, He's a great dad telling me the truth. But I thought, I don't want to feel like that when I'm his age. And uh, he expounded on it. He said, uh, I could have done it. I should have done it. I was good enough. I was good enough to do it. And I, and I, and I quit. And uh, that's what I should have done. I just knew, I said, I want to feel like dad feels about that. I want to validate that. I'm going to validate him. I'm going to validate his talent, you know? And uh, it makes me emotional. Heavy. 
So <clears throat> I thought I wanted to prove it. Uh, it's heavy. It is heavy, too, especially when we talk about your new record in a second. Because yeah. it, is, it is so, you know. The, <clears throat> I, I wanted to prove that he could do it, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know? You want to do it for him? Yeah. It almost sounds like you want to do it for him before you wanted to do it for you. I don't know. But I, I wanted to validate it, you know? It's important to me. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> it's heavy. But he got to li live his dream through me, you know? You know, the way you, you talk about your dad, yeah. you can tell there's, it's all the things, love, respect. Uh, I mean, the whole list of things whenever you value a human. Yeah. And it sounds like your dad was that to you. And, you know, it kind of puts us on the new record here, which, yeah. by the way, I mean, these guys here can attest. I, I I won't say I really like something if I don't really like something. I just go, yeah. hey, I just go, hey, how about that project? Yeah. You know, how about that project you did that? Yeah, yeah. The the new record is really freaking good. I Thank told you, I told you this before we even came in here. Appreciate it. That it's Thank like you. this is music that I listen to when I just mm. get to listen to music, mm. and you know that's how how deep this record hit. And that's even before mm. I knew the reason you wrote, recorded, mm. and put the record out when you did. Yeah. And so I want to start there. And and you and I rarely want to play a song from the front of the record because then I feel like people go, well, that's just the first song. So. But face the river, mm. and that, you know that's the first track. I, I believe you sent it to me on what was the service? Uh, SoundCloud. I believe mm. it's Sound. You sent me a SoundCloud mm. record. And so I'm just in the car with my wife. I'm just hitting it, and face the river comes on. I'm like, God dang! If every song's like this, and it was just one after the other. And Thank you. Mike, if you'll play some face the river for me, track one, please. What are you singing about there? Um, <clears throat> I pictured my, my 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 mother had already passed. Uh, my dad was already diagnosed um, with glioblastoma, um, and um, I visualized my father looking across the river at my mother. <clears throat> and uh, having to face that particular point in his uh, in his life, it's tough. Um, <clears throat> but uh, uh, but I think that it's material. I didn't I didn't want to shy away from. I could I couldn't I couldn't shy away from it because of the time in my life that I was writing it, you know, watching. Uh, you're experiencing these things with, with these people, um, watching them go through a stage of their life that we all know is coming at some point. Um, we all, we all have some shared destiny. And uh, um, I couldn't ignore... I couldn't ignore what I was seeing and just go off in my corner and pretend like there was another world that I could focus on. I, there, there was happening right in front of me, you know. 
uh, even if it's a car crash. Um, you know, it, uh, you, you have to, you have to see it and, uh, know what it is. And, you know, you're hoping that the results aren't going to be as bad as they are, but you know, it's a car crash. Um, and, uh, I had to document it. I had to document how, how I felt and, and what I thought maybe he felt, uh, you know, art, it's art, man. It, it, it it's not product. It, it's, it's art and, and it, it should reflect, it should reflect, uh, a real moment in time. And, and, uh, and, and it's, it's called a record, man. You know, a record, a record, a document, a, a, something permanent. We should make a record of where we're at and have that be so it's known. This is what it was. This is what happened. You know, just the way you look at any piece of history. Um, and then that's what it is. You put it as track one. It's such a powerful song, and obviously it's the name of the record, and, you know, sometimes the record's named after the track. You know, mm-hmm. there's never just a layout of what the order is supposed to be, meaning. Mm-hmm. So that is, if not the most, one of the most powerful songs on the record, and it just... You turn, you, you play the record, first song, boom, punch right in the gut. A beautiful punch in the gut. I mean, in a way of like, you emotionally are, are stung by it. Usually, mm-hmm. that didn't Thank happen you. on track one. Like, why, you, you went for it immediately. Was there <laughs> any sort of symbolism there with that? Um, well, I, th- I think the, the main thing was, this is a different kind of record. And that was the, that was the big thing. It was, you know just letting the audience know that this is different. It's very different. Um, uh, and I was more pre- preparing them for everything else, <laughs> you know? Boy, you did. I mean, that, yeah. th- and to also hear that story, because this record, not only important because it's music, it's art that you're putting into the world, Yeah. but, and I know you and I talked about this on a, in a different place, but yeah. you wanted to make this, write this record, record this re- record, and have it ready um, for your dad before he passed away. Yeah. And did you have any sort of idea, like how fast you needed to actually get this done? No, but I didn't know it was. You know, I knew it was bad. Um. But you know, there's no, there's not ever an exact time, as you know. Um but it's a limited time and was there a rush on you did you feel like i got to work fast i don't i just i, I it's a it's a it's a de- it's a timeline that you've got to follow but you don't actually know where it correct is. correct exactly there's no exact deadline that you're aware of right um you know weeks and weeks earlier he's in the hospital he says to me and it was hard for him to talk cuz the where the tumor was and he was saying to me a bit like marble mouth is how he was trying having to communicate. Unfortunately, um, but he said, "You know, I want to hear the music. You know, aren't you playing me the music?" I said, "It's not done yet, Dad. I want you to hear it. Like I want you to hear it when it's right. It's really important to hear it when it's right. You got to hear it when it's right." I'm like really uptight about you know my job, and um, come on, play me something. Play me something. 
I'm in the hospital with my sister. And, uh, and, uh, I said, okay, okay, let me, let me see, let me see, let me see. I reach out to Dave Cobb. I say, hey, and my dad's in the hospital. He's really, really he's begging me for these songs. Is there any way just to send me a, a mix of just, just a couple of songs? I'd love for him to hear a couple of songs, just a couple of songs to really help. Yeah, 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 for sure. So a couple minutes later, he sends me three songs, sends me Face the River. <clears throat> and uh, Destiny and uh, Summertime. And uh, and uh, <sighs> um, <clears throat> so dad starts crying when he hears the, the first high note of a uh, of the chorus of, of Face the River. He's really feeling it right away, you know? Um, really reacting, and um, <clears throat> I play him the songs, the three that I had. And he says, uh, I wish your mother could have heard these. I wish your mother could hear this right now, this record. And I says, uh, uh, she wrote the record, Dad. She wrote the record. And he says, she did. She did write the record. Some weeks go by. I'm trying to finish the album because I know st state is not good. Um, album is done. I take it to him immediately. I said, Dad, you want to hear the album? The whole album now. He said, yeah, yeah. So I put headphones on. Turn it up so I could hear where it's at, you know, loud enough. He likes it loud anyway. And... We go straight through the record, top to bottom, and he's so moved. And um, <clears throat> I said, "You want to hear it again?" He said, "Play it for me again later. Let's do it later." I said, "Good, okay." My brother and I, we hop in the car, we take a drive. A half hour later, half hour after I finished playing that record, phone rings, and uh, my dad's having an emergency. They need to take him to the hospital immediately. There was some kind of complication. And so he's taken to the hospital and put on heavy drugs. And, you know, for the next day and a half, um, he's just on heavy drugs for that, you know, that slow boat ride out, you know. Um, so <clears throat> however the timing worked out, I, without exaggeration, got to play him the whole record in the nick of time. And, um, and it's, uh, that's a little bit of closure I get, <laughs> um, is that, is, is that I got to give him that, that experience and say, uh, you know, this is, you know, your dedication, you know, so, <clears throat> um, very hard, but, uh, but, uh, damn, I hate crying. Oh, I mean, I appreciate the vulnerability. I mean, you can tell the love that you have for your mom and your dad. You can also tell when you listen to this record. I mean, even if you didn't know why, let's say someone just came across this record on a playlist, not even individual songs. Mm. You, may, you may like Gavin DeGraw, Face the River. I think you would listen to this and go, well, something's got him. Yeah. Like something. It's, it's, it just feels different. It feels like there's, there's, 
Yeah. It feels like there is, it feels very deliberate in the, in the most beautiful way. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break in period. Like, it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet and the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. And yeah. I want I want to go to let someone in because again you start hard you end hard, and yeah. you know have all the emotions all in between. But I want to play mm-hmm. Mike. This is let someone in track ten. Let someone in to your heart. Let me in. I, I tell you why this was just a great song for the end. I'm sure you, you know. I mean, let me just tell you why I think it was a great song for me to listen to this record over and over again because it is a very powerful album. But as heartfelt as this song is, it's still, it's an upper. Mm. It's a, this is an emotional set of songs, but let someone's an, it's an upper. It's, yeah. a, it's a mid-tempo that makes you feel good, but yeah. you know there's some real power behind it. Mm-hmm. And it's that rare mix of all of that. And you're like, man, I just kind of went through something, but mm. I feel good about what I'm about to go through next. Mm-hmm. So just there's no word that I can really use except it's just a wonderful project. Thank you, man. Even if I didn't I know, and I didn't know all the details about mm. why you made, you just sent me the record. Yeah. You didn't send me a text and go, hey, this is about mom, dad. And this, you just said, hey, yeah. what do you think of this record? And I, I'm texting back, going like, oh, I listened, this is why I listened to my own own time. Yeah. And I finished it and I'm like, well, I just felt, and now I actually feel like I should go feel some more, but in the most positive way. Right on. And I that, appreciate that. And that song, that song is 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 
it's the perfect close, in my opinion, for this type of record. So thank you. Just wanted you to know that. I appreciate it, man. Uh, I hope you guys check it out. Face the River. It's been out a few weeks now. It is so good. Wow, thank you. I mean, it's rare that you get an artist because it doesn't happen all the time. I think with all artists, it's sometime it happens that you can just feel their DNA in the project so much by their influences, what's affected them, what's still affecting them, mm. what their hopes are for the future based on their... I, you just feel it all through this, and this is that project for you. And I've been a fan for a long time of Thanks, a lot man. of your stuff. but I, And I rarely like the newer stuff from anyone because, you yeah. know, when you get to be our age, you're, you like stuff in your formidable years when you're like, all right, I like that the best. It's been the longest, it's proven. But this is, for yeah. me, this, is, this project is my favorite thing you've ever done. Thank you, man. Wow. It means a lot. So uh, it means a lot. I I, I really, I, I really tried hard to tell their story, my folk story and my family story. I think just watching them go to their daily war on the family's behalf, um, I, I just don't feel like that kind of life gets celebrated enough in our in our culture. You know, I mean. Hey man, we all love sports and, and 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 music and movies and but man, you know I'd rather I'd rather rock like Dad's picture, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and because that those are my those are my heroes, you know. That's my that's those are my blue collar heroes, you know. They didn't they never even asked me for for a thank you. I think the thank you is yeah. you proving it can be done. And you can be somebody else's blue-collar hero. I think that's the thing. Yeah. I think they knew that and saw that, and I think they are probably thanking you all the time. It just wasn't words going to your ear. Yeah. There are many ways to be thanked and to thank folks. Yeah. And I think that was there. Man. Uh, yeah. I got two final things for you. And uh, number one is a little trivial, which I like, though. You mm. went on Dancing with the Stars. I didn't do very well. I always like to talk to people who <laughs> you did it back in 2012. I did the yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but you did well. I did. I you was, rocked it. I don't want different. Listen, I won. That's true. I don't, I, it, who cares what I did? I don't won. rub it in, yeah, Bobby. Who cares what I did? I won. I got feelings. What still. was your general? I got ex- open wounds. What was your general experience? <laughs> you hear about my parents, man? Don't hurt me again, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> With that show. How, and like, we can keep this quick, but how did you get roped into it? Because I got roped into it. Oh, uh, yeah. Lo- by the way, love the people there. And it was, oh, it was, amazing. The experience was, you, you're training with a pro athlete. I agree. Like, you can never do that. No doubt, brother. Give me no your doubt. Give me your experience in like 30 seconds on that show. The experience was killer. I did get roped into it because I like to run motorbikes. And I, I used to run motorbikes with a buddy of mine um, who's a lot of fun. He's a race car driver. He's a, he's a Red Bull uh, racer, right? So we, we like to run bikes. I like bikes. And so one day the phone rings. And somebody asked me who I knew was a dancer. Hey, do you want to dance with the stars? And my reply, of course, was what I said to people from One Tree Hill originally was absolutely not. And um, my buddy says, uh, why would you say no to that? I said, I don't dance, man. He said, that's the point. And then he said to me, if you do it, I'll do it. I said, Really? He said, yep, if you do it, I'll do it. I said, you're on. I'm going to get you on a show too. So I talked to the people at the show. I said, I'll do it only if he does it. 
We're going to do it together. Cool. I signed my contract. I reached out to him. I said, they're sending the contract over. I signed mine. He said, sorry, bro, no can do. Just got a new ride. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to kill you, That's bro. Funny. That's funny. It's hard, though. That show's hard. Oh, it's tough. It's hard. Dude, every week I'd get a message from him. Say, looking good out there, Twinkle Toes. <laughs> I was like, I will kill you, man. That's funny. Uh, the final thing I want to hit you on is, that's funny, is whenever you open uh, for Billy Joel. Oh, man, Billy I, Joel, my I gotta, favorite, dude. I got to think that aside from it being an artist that you just loved listening yeah. to and represented who you, where you're from, you know, we, we have a... Sure. But you go back to that Christmas. I mean, the first time, did you... 2014 is what it said. The, says the first time you opened for Billy Joel. And yeah. I just, did you have any of those emotions the first time you went up to go like, man, oh, man. Like, we, we came here for Christmas. This is our Christmas present, and now I get to be up here doing this. Unbelievable full, full circle moment in life, you know? And uh, I'd met him briefly before, once or twice. I met him because I'd pounded the pavement for so long, for so many years, um, before I ever had a record deal. I used to play at a open mic thing, a bunch of players, studio session guys and stuff. On the Upper West Side, uh, I'd had a gig every Monday night, and after my Monday night gig, I used to go to another place after hours and jam with these guys. And one of them was a sax player named Richie Kanata, who was Billy Joel's early sax player. I put a record out. I got lucky with it. It did good. Richie reached out years later and said, Billy's playing at the Garden, uh, 11 dates or whatever it was. Will you come be my guest? I said, sure. He said, one caveat. Sit with my son. He's a fan. I said, I'd love to. Get to the show. Richie texts me. Come backstage. Billy wants to meet you. I was like, yeah. So I go backstage. There's Billy. Billy introduces himself. And I was hoping he'd say, hey, I love your music. But he said, I've been reading a lot about you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. And I said, I'm a huge fan, a lot about you, <laughs> you know? And uh, I was like, cool, I'm going to go back and sit in my chair now. And then years later, the phone rang, and my dad said, hey, Billy wants you to open for him. And I said, Billy who? Because it had been, you know, he said, Billy Joel, you moron. And uh, I said, yeah, okay, when? He said, this date, that date, th- this one date. I said, Good. where is it going to be? A place called the BB&T Center in South Florida. So I said, great. I go to the gig. I'm backstage. I just get there. Guitar player, uh, Tommy Burns, Billy's guitar player, been, been with forever, sees me backstage. He says, hey, Gavin, Gavin, have you seen Billy yet? Billy's here. Have you seen him? I said, no, no. He said, come outside. We're, uh, we're we're having a smoke. I said, oh, okay. I go outside. Guys are standing in a semicircle. Billy's in the middle. Having a drag, and I walk out. Tommy says, hey, Billy, Billy, Gavin's here. Gavin's here. I introduce myself again. I said, hey, man, thanks for thanks for having me. He said, hey, thanks for, thanks for coming out. You know, thanks for coming. Good, good, glad, you, glad you were able to come here. I said, Listen, you're my idol, okay? It's an honor. But I know there's other musicians out there who want this gig, 
But I want to say, candidly, if you have anyone else in mind for opening for you, yo, fuck that guy. I want this gig. (laughs) (laughs) They all started laughing, you know. He said, can you do more more dates? I said, I'll cancel dates to do these dates. I'll cancel. You're such a huge influence on me. He was like, you're the guy you're hired, you know? And, uh, and he did. And, he, and I'm like, man, he gave me a million dates. You know, we played the Garden a bunch of times. I don't even know how many times. You know, Fenway Park, uh, uh, Wrigley Field. I lived around the corner from Fenway Park when I was in college for about a year. I could never go to Fenway Park. I didn't have money to go to Fenway Park. Then one day I hop in a shuttle bus, hop out of my hotel, get in a shuttle bus, drive through a tunnel, and I get out of a van in the middle of the field in Fenway Park because I'm going to open for Billy that night. And I thought, this was how I was supposed to see Fenway Park. This is so much better. You know? That's, yeah. I I don't know, but I can understand how your description yeah. of it is. Yeah, I don't get to do that. Yeah. I'm, I mean, they may give me some free tickets in the outfield. I don't get to do that. <laughs> uh, you guys, check out Face the River. It's just an amazing project. Thanks. You know, I... I, I Oh, and I'll, I'll shut it down here, but uh, at Gavin DeGraw, I can't believe that I bring up El Paso randomly. Just in a comparison to to your town and the yep. jails. and Me- That had nothing to do with anything. That's exactly and right. You know, that, that to me, that's that's wild. We're on frequencies, that, man. That's wild. That that's wild. it. That is crazy. I, listen, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the vulnerability. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, sorry I got emotional. I really do no, apologize. As I, you know, I, you should ne- you, as you know, emotional. you would say the same thing to me. If I were to get emotional talking to you, never be sorry for your emotions. Yeah, man. So I'm just going to hold that mirror up to you. That's what you would say to yourself. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, it's funny because you write, you write the song so you don't have to talk about stuff because you have a hard time talking about stuff. So you write the songs because you need to get it out of you, right? Um, but then people ask you about your songs if you're lucky and you don't want to do the songs a disservice or the people they're about. So you got to, you got to talk about it and, and you got to get it out of you anyway. And this was the opposite the way of, to do it. Opposite of a disservice. This is such a service. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank uh, you, man. Gavin DeGraw, you guys check out the project, obviously. Um, another song I love on there is called Ford. Check that song out. Wow, and, thank you, man. Yeah. At Gavin DeGraw. And, uh, thanks man. Appreciate it. Thank you, bro. Thanks so much. You know, you mentioned you got lucky with I Don't Want to Be. Yeah. Again, I was in pop radio at that point. I don't know it from One Tree Hill. Is that the show it's on? That's the yep. show? They had this, uh, yeah. I don't know it from that. I just know it from being played on the radio. So which, this <laughs> chicken or egg here, was it a single and then it got big and the TV show put it on or did the TV show and then it went from there? Man, you know, it's funny with that song because I thought that was the obvious first single. Uh, my brother was screaming up all the time at me, you know, in our apartment in New York. He's like, that's a single. What's wrong with people? You know, like, they need to put that out first. Um, but follow through is the one. And um, I got a phone call from a guy. The song hadn't been selected to be a single yet. And I got a phone phone call from a guy named Joe Devola. And um, Joe Devola said, hey, I want to use your song for a TV show. I said, nah, absolutely not. I don't even watch TV. TV's stupid, you know? <laughs> and that's uh, <laughs> just, you know, it's a New York, you know, East Village art 
you know, snob at the time, you know, I was kicking around Alphabet City and, you know, 20 years ago, right? So I said, nah, I don't even watch TV. Who watches TV? And I don't want to be associated with it. He goes, listen, you got to help me help you. The song, I think, would be a big song, and I want to put it in a show. I said, nah, 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 I really appreciate it. You sound like a nice guy, but no thanks. He goes, okay, let me ask you another question. How much money you got in your bank account right now? And I was like, fuck you, bro. (laughs) (laughs) He starts laughing. And uh, he goes, listen, think about it. We're not going to touch the song. We're just going to put it in a place where people are going to hear it, you know? And that show wasn't on yet, right? It wasn't even on yet. right. Yeah. And um, Follow Through apparently had been picked up and put in another show that was in pilot in pilot mode that never got, actually, never became big. I think Val Kilmer was in it. was about the porn industry. Follow Through. I don't know. But anyway, um, but yeah, I, I said, you know what? All right, this guy's right. Guys like me aren't going to be watching this stuff anyway and associate it with certain things. I'm not going to associate it with a teen show. I'm not a teenager, you know. I'm, I was 27 at the time. You know, I was an adult. But... I said, all right, do it, you know, man, just do whatever you want with it. I appreciate it. And you know what? Just do it. Just do it. And sure enough, the the song took off, and then I walked into the label, and uh, I had a meeting with Clive Davis, and he said, uh, With everything happening around this the show, with the song. (laughs) You've heard Clive talk. Uh, The obvious next single would be I Don't Want to Be. And I was like, all right, great. This is awesome, you know? So the song I originally wanted is finally going to be the the single and and it did it it took off and you know fortunately that was a foot in the door in the door moment you know does that i don't know i I, obviously it got you to the place that you originally wanted meaning it's kind of a weird way that happened for sure you wanted it they said no you didn't want it to be on the tv show then you finally said yes which got it back around to where you wanted it yeah so but do you look back at it being on the tv show and go "Hmm, i wish i wouldn't have done it or i wish i would have done it or or are you just like you know what nailed it it had to happen. When yeah. people go, hey, I know you from One Tree Hill. That's the right. show, right? It yeah. is One Tree Hill. Sure. When people go, I know you from One Tree Hill, you're like, oh. No, I say, that's awesome. Because, <laughs> you know, but that's you cool. Okay. You know, yeah. to however me, you found me. However you found me. However you found me. You know, the fact that, you know, 20 years later, someone's coming up to me saying they know me from a teen show, but they're still coming to my shows. That means somehow the, the music is making them feel good still, yeah. right? And if they're only coming for that one song, hey, God bless them. If they want to sit through two hours of music, you know, for me <laughs> to get to song. a song at the end of the night, <laughs> yeah. you know, then cool. Did you ever have a stage where you disliked playing it? You played it so much? No. I've never, not ever. That's good, because I'm going to ask you to play it. Thank God. Because gonna... <laughs> if he just said yes, no. I'd have been like, well, it's about to get real awkward. No, no. Oh, okay. No, literally. But, you know, it's funny because I do know acts who talk about, oh, I don't want to play my hits. I don't want to do those anymore. And and I think to myself, does this motherfucker know how lucky they are right now that they get to do this? You know, you got to pull them aside. But like, hey, listen, I, I know, you know, you've been doing this song every day since you wrote this song. But must I remind you, you have one of the only jobs in the world that when you get the clock out, people clap for you and tell you what a good job you did. You know, name another one. You know, name another job you could think of that at the end of your workday, people go, great job. That was amazing tonight. You know, 
You don't get that. Nobody right. gets that. You know, get up there and give them what they came for. You're so blessed to be able to do that. Or you, 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 you're, you have forgotten how, how, how tough real life really is. If you don't want to do a song for three and a half minutes for people who saved up three and a half months to drive three and a half hours to watch you sing that song, you know, fuck you. <laughs> Well, okay. Well, you know? uh, uh, Gavin DeGraw's here, and he, uh, he's looking at me when he said that. I'm sorry, so, man. I'm like, to, that to me, me, that's so crazy yeah, that yeah, you would you would want to do that song. For Listen, them. as a fan, I'm glad that you feel that way, right? And and with that being said, yeah, don't play the whole thing. Just give me the just give me the hook of that. I don't want to have him yell at me again. Fuck so. you, Bobby. Yeah, I don't want. So just give me the hook, and uh, we'll call that a day on that one. All right, here's Gavin DeGraw. Hit, hit me with that hook. Of I don't want to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here we go. I don't want to be anything other than what I've been trying to be lately All I have to do is think of me and our peace of mind I'm tired of looking around rooms wondering what I got to do Or who I'm supposed to be I don't want to be anything other than me That's awesome. Let's get to the new stuff now. That's what we all Thanks, came man. for. That's why, we, that's why we drove three and a half right. hours. I don't want him yelling at me again. I was thinking about leaving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. You leave after that. <laughs> it's so good, though. Watch everybody in the studio. We're out. We're gone. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. Tacovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.